check. Make them little money, pay some bills. Yo, we neck and neck. This week on the Pizza Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. I will receive your email and I will do a few things with it. Number one, I will mark it as spam. Number two, I will read it and do nothing. Number three, I will read it on the air. And that's exactly what we're doing today. And by we, I mean my good buddy, Damian Dunn, Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line. And hey, money joins me as always. Hello, Dame. Do you really mean that? Good buddy? No, I said Vice President of Advice. Well, you said good buddy too. So the first question we got today uh, starts out, good day, unrelated Dunns of Northern and Central Indiana. I've been a bit of a creep. No, I don't mean like Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> I mean that as my teams have grown, my means have grown over the past decade or so, so has my budget. At the beginning of our me- marriage, me, Esposa, and I made roughly $25,000 each. Okay. Now, a decade later, we're each right around the eighty-five dollars to $90,000 range. That's a nice change a good household income of 180 started at 50 at the beginning of the marriage some changes came very naturally like we're homeowners now instead of apartment renters and we have a rather large portion of our budget going to daycare now that we couldn't have afforded before it's roughly 14 percent of our take-home pay uh side note dame that was the exact amount mrs planner and i spent on on uh, daycare at one point 14% of our income. It's, wow. it's, it's always 14%. I don't know why. Uh, my question is, at what point is a growing budget a lifestyle creep? And uh, what are the key indicators to watch out for? We tend to be very responsible with our savings and spending. My wife and I are each contributing 17% and 16% to our retirement accounts, respectively. Our power percentage, trademarked by Pete the Planner, Hovers around mess. Uh, oh, hovers around the low thirty <laughs> percent. I can't read, and we have no debts other than our mortgage. We're both thirty-one years old. Have a lot of time to get things right, but also a lot of times to mess things up. If we're off track here, thank you in advance for your answer, Pete, and for your good version of the answer, Dame. Very respectfully, Crevin, because he wanted a fake name. Ha 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 ha. Um, Dame, that's a really good question. It's like, okay, so they've made a lot of decisions. Their income has increased significantly. And how do they actually expand their lifestyle responsibly and enjoy their efforts without creating further problems for themselves down the road? I I feel like the metrics he's given us are pretty darn good and indicative of a person who can responsibly increase their lifestyle. So how do you look at this? Uh, the power percentage is a great indicator that things are going well. So find a way to measure yourself year over year, making sure that things are going in the right direction. Uh, the other thing we've talked about it a few times, make sure your goals are covered up front and that they're appropriate for your situation. So is 10% enough for you to be saving for retirement? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you should be saving some money in some other areas too, because one of the key ways to retire or at least prepare for other goals in life and make sure that lifestyle creep isn't becoming too much of an issue is to not need a lot of money either. So Pete and I would both say we're not telling you to go out and live on very, very modest means by any stretch. We want you to go out and be able to enjoy life as well, but we don't want you to do it at the expense of preventing yourself from uh, having all the goals that you want accomplished in the future taken care of too. So 
a lot of it comes down to conversation and goal setting and then figuring out working backwards to what you need to do to make sure that's taken care of. What do you think? It just occurred to me as I'm listening to you, I'm touching my face and I chopped some rosemary earlier to marinate a pork tenderloin and I smell like Christmas. Interesting. Are you talking about about the financial question? Is that what you? you yeah, that's where I was about? going. Sorry, but the rosemary—it's a new nickname. Right. Yeah. Um. So, I, I agree with you. You know, let's talk about where lifestyle creep shows its ugly face more commonly in, in other areas. Right. There's a there's a few. If you become become that person that is constantly moving and constantly upgrading your home and looking for your home to to redefine the lifestyle, I think that's trap number one. And the easiest to solve by just making more thoughtful housing decisions. So that's that's one. And I think the way you solve that is, again, be more thoughtful. And two, Dame, I think a 15-year mortgage solves that problem pretty easily, right? It forces your hand. Yeah, you're going to limit yourself naturally with a 15-year mortgage because you are going to be spending more of your income towards that mortgage payment and buying a uh, maybe more in line uh, price-wise house with with what you should be doing. So a 15-year mortgage is going to put a good constraint on yourself and keep you from spending that money potentially unwisely in other areas of your life. I I think another area that people can sometimes uh, get into a trap with near and dear to me is with cars, vehicles, uh, always uh, getting something new, or maybe you get into a car and you, gosh, it's just not what I want. And you go and make a really bad decision by trading basically a brand new car in on another one. And now you're even deeper in the hole. Um, you can spend lots and lots of money just trying to drive around a new, uh, fancy, flashy car. That's going to help you, uh, fit in maybe with the, the group you're trying to, um, reach eventually. So, uh, cars are another one, uh, taking more vacations than you used to. If they're, they're big and fancy, I think is another way that you could potentially start to experience lifestyle creep. Um, again, these all sound like great things that people want to do take vacations and drive a nice car and have a nice house. And we're not telling you not to, we're just trying to say, use some, uh, some moderation in these things and make sure that you are, uh, putting just as much thought and consideration to your future as you are your present. You know, a good test for this, Dame, is what can you remove if times get tough? You can remove a vacation if times get tough. So maybe that is the creep you should add. You can't exactly remove a big car payment if times get tough. You can't exactly remove a giant mortgage payment if times get tough. Um, Now, I will say this. You talk about things you can remove, but then there's these habits that are hard to break. Dining out and those sorts of things, and shopping, and buying nicer clothes, and whatever, consumables, uh, while you can remove them, th- those are really, really hard habits to break. Even in a recession, people struggle to change those types of habits. You get accustomed to your lifestyle, and that's just the simplicity of, of the nature. We're, we're creatures of habit and comfort, and once we're there, we don't want to do anything to change that. And so if we're used to spending uh, two or three nights out at a restaurant, uh, over the course of a, a week or two, we want to keep doing that because it's what we know and it's what makes us feel good. So yeah, habits are huge in making sure that, you know, lifestyle creep stays in control or you stay in control of lifestyle creep. If lifestyle creeps in control of you, then that's, that's another issue. 
No, I agree, uh, Dame. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to take a break here in just a couple minutes. But before we do, Dame, I have to say the reason we created Power Percentage a few years ago was to help people sniff out lifestyle creep. Uh, so if you've never considered Power Percentage, I believe it is episode 120 of the Pete the Planner podcast, a full explanation. It's the entire episode is dedicated to power percentage. So boy, I hope I got that episode number right. Go to episode 120 of the Pete the Planner podcast. You can just Google the words Pete the Planner podcast, ep120. Ep, of course, is short for Epstein. <laughs> no, 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 Dame. Don't do that. Sorry. Uh, Dame, oh, oh, when we come back, I'm going to read you the email I received that is financial in nature and uh, it's stunning. It's, I, I don't want to give you too much away, but it's unbelievable. We'll only spend a couple minutes on it when we come back and then we'll get to our topic of should a person buy a home right now? I mean, who should, who shouldn't, where are the traps and the uh, famous words of Admiral Akbar and Danza DeLuna. So uh, coming up after the break, more of the Pete the Planner show with Dame, the advice guy, and, and me, Peter Dunn. That's all next here on the Pete the Planner radio network. I just made that up. It's not exactly a thing. Back on the Pete the Planner show, answering your money questions. Uh, I would like to say hello to some of our affiliates out there. W-A-W-K in Kendallville, Indiana. Hello, hello. W-I-O-U, the greatest affiliate name for any financial show in history. Out of Kokomo. W-T-R-E. In Greensburg, and of course, don't forget, Michiana, WTRC, in Mishawaka, and Niles. How about that, Dame? Uh, sounds like a great list. Let's add more. <laughs> Let's add more. All right. So I got this email this week, and I, I want to talk to you about it. And oddly enough, it starts out with the phrase, good day. It sounds like it's a great start. It does, but it takes a quick turn. Good day and compliments, which I, you know what? I think we need to adjust to that, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Uh, good day and compliments. I apologize for this unconventional approach. However, I am attorney Anthony Howell, and I need to verify some things of importance from you if you do not mind. Actually, I'm contacting you regarding an estate domiciled by my late client whom may be related to you since you bear the same last name. Honestly, I cannot give you any more than this information right now because I'm uncertain of the prospects. However, feel free to revert back to me for more briefing as I expect your reply in earnest. Respectfully, Anthony Howell. I was expecting that email from Tony. Yeah. How about that? I, is, uh, did the relative happen to live in Africa by chance? No, I, I don't think it's a Nigerian fishing scam. Uh, I think it's a domestic scam but i just appreciate the wordsmanship you know what i mean um i don't know i was still kind of clunky I, it, it worked but i don't know you're you're splitting hairs over good day and compliments because that's really good all right dan let's hit a financial question we get this all the time and actually someone on our facebook live stream uh asked a version of it right now that they said is now a good time to refinance my house that's sort of what we're talking about Arguably, yes, now is a good time to refinance your house. We'll get to that in a second. Dame, the real topic here right now is this. 
is now a good time to buy a house. Now, when someone poses that question as succinctly as I just did, you and I neither have enough information to actually answer the question well. So let's go this direction, Dan. If I'm a renter right now, is right now a good time to buy a house? Go, sir. No. Next. Wow. Really? I was going to go a different direction. Really? Well, I feel like maybe I should give you more information. Okay. Like you just said, information is good. And you gave me a one sentence question. So yeah, fill in the blanks, Pete. If I'm a renter right now who has a down payment and an emergency fund, should I buy a house right now? No. Next. Really? No. Why? Have you seen what the markets are right now? As far as the Which inventory, are you talking sorry, about? the housing markets, there's no inventory. Prices are way higher than they should be right now. Yeah. And you're going to be buying at the top of the market with some fairly uncertain economic times coming in the next six to 12 months. There's a decent chance housing prices drop in a little bit, especially with um, moratoriums ending and houses that were rented potentially just coming up on the market as single family homes because people don't want to deal with it. Uh, being a landlord, I should say, uh, anymore. Um, people potentially changing jobs and moving out of, of state or out of the town they're in, needing to sell a home soon. Um, I just don't think right now, if you are ready to go with, with that down payment and your emergency funds sitting there, patience, young one. I think the opportunity is going to be better for you in the near future. Are you also basing this on the idea that interest rates will remain this low for quite some time? Yeah, interest rates aren't going to skyrocket anytime soon. Even if you miss out on the super low rates right now, Pete, if you would have told somebody 10 years ago that they could have gotten a so-so mortgage at three and three quarters percent, would you have laughed and said, there's no way that it'll ever be that low? Yeah, probably. Even though you know you could have gotten a mortgage at 3% just a couple of weeks or maybe a month ago. So three and three quarters, the interest rates aren't going anywhere for a while. Don't worry about it. So we tend to shy away from absolutes at your money line and hey money. But Dame, I'm going to put it to you point blank. Do you believe pretty much no one, no one should be buying a house right now? Go. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's in anybody's interest right now to go out and buy a house unless you absolutely need one. If, I mean, if you're if you're changing jobs and you've got to move into an, a new area and renting's just not possible for you right now for a little while, which I get. But uh, if, if you don't need to buy a house right now, I mean, houses are selling within days on the market for full asking, maybe a little bit higher. Check local listings for that being true or not. But in, at least in the areas that I think Pete and I both live in, that's generally the case. Why would you do that to yourself? You're buying at the very peak right now. I generally think the audience likes to turn on me for my tough guy advice, whether it's true or not, or, or honest or not, it generally is. But Dame, I think this is an incredibly, albeit true, unpopular opinion. Am I getting, am I turning the heel here? Am I, am I going to get beat up for, for being the, the tough guy today? What happens when the good cop becomes the bad cop and the bad cop becomes the good cop? Uh, Next on ABC. That's a plot twist that you tune in for every week. How about this, Dame? Let's say you don't mind the moving. If I 
don't mind the move in and I want to go to a different place. What about the concept of selling a home that's appreciated value a lot right now and then renting uh, until the market falls and then buying a home at a lower price. Tell me about that. I'm fine with that. I, I think that's... Are, are you personally fine with that or are you fine with that advice for people who don't mind it? I'm fine. I would. I would. I have given that advice actually in the last couple of weeks to somebody who is in the position where they could easily do that. They've got all the money they need to buy a house. Lease is going to be ending fairly soon, but it's not in their best interest to go out and pay top of the market prices. They don't mind renting. So if they can maybe go try out the neighborhood that they want to live in, just make sure it's a good fit, go rent somewhere for, uh, for another six months, 12 months, see what housing prices do. Chances are they're not going to keep going up at least as fast as they have. And then you can take advantage of the lower markets in, in a year. Once you're sure you love the area and you want to be there for a while. I'm loving this. This is really, my question was, would you personally do that? And I, I I'm answering it myself. Like, I don't need the the uh, headache of all that. Although I think it makes a ton of financial sense. It, I'm not interested. It'd be, in theory, I, I would, but it'd be really tough right now. We're at a different stage in life with a couple of kids. And I don't know if I'd want to move twice in a couple of years to, or a year to do that. So um, I don't know if I could pull it off personally, but if push came to shove, I certainly would. I It's good advice. You know, it's perfect advice, I think, for uh, kidless individuals or couples who are in a good position and say, you know what, let's take our gains, maybe go live lean a little bit in an interesting area, try it out. I mean, that's the other element of renting to go live in a community or, or you know, town to see if you like the footprint and the vibe of that place. And right now, Dame, wow. I mean, that's the power move of all power moves is to sell your home, rent. You're not wasting your money because theoretically you're lowering your risk, you're mitigating risk, and you're letting the market correct, which means go down. And then you're buying back in and buying theoretically a, a better value on the back end. Yeah, I don't see how uh, how anybody could argue against that, Pete. I just don't. Yeah, it's. I know. I, I don't. I don't think someone could either. You know. I think the. You know, this will stretch into two segments. We're going to do this in the next segment, and here's what we're going to cover in the next segment, Dame. I think one of the biggest mistakes people are making right now are homeowners who don't mind their house, but choosing to go into another house right now and just upgrade right now. I think you're seeing a lot of that, and there's a lot of dangers with that, and that's exactly what we'll talk about after the break. So this is the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner Show. Dame, it occurred to me uh, Thursday night of this past week that I needed to share a secret with the world. It's a secret you've known as long as you've known me. I am not fun. No. That's it. That's the secret. While arguably objectively funny. I'm not fun. I'm not actually fun to hang out with. You'll laugh. You'll have a good time, but it's not because I'm bringing you fun. Like no one calls me like, Hey, let's go have fun. I'm like the last person people call. Why? I don't like staying out late. Right. Uh, I don't like to leave my house and I don't like to take risks. And so all those opposites of everything I just said involve fun. I'm not that guy. And it's important for all of you to know this out in the audience today. Dane, we're talking about housing this week. 
the question in front of us was, is now a good time to buy a house? And you said, absolutely not. Uh, the next question was, is now a good time to refinance a mortgage? And for many people, the answer is actually yes. Help us understand how to make sure we don't make a mistake there. Yeah. So there are a couple considerations when you want to refinance. Chances are, unless you've refinanced in the last six to eight months, the interest rates that are being offered right now are going to be less than what you are currently uh, paying on your mortgage. So the question becomes, is it right? And the answer is, are you going to be there long enough to make sure that the, uh, the expense for refinancing is going to be covered in that house? And then also, what was, uh, you just said it, Pete, but it break. What was the, the second one that we were just discussing? Uh, whether to put uh, renovations into your house? Is that the one you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, so make your house just a little bit, uh, little bit nicer instead of moving on uh, and maybe using some of that money that's refinanced to save um, up to make sure that you uh, are, are happy with the house that you're going to be in and refinance. So there are a few different considerations here. Let me give you some anecdotal evidence without um, uh, making the assertion that this is empirical evidence. I'm going to talk about my neighborhood right? My neighborhood, here's what has happened in the last six months. Oh, a whole lot of renovations, a whole lot of renovations, a whole lot of intense outdoor landscaping, right? People really putting money into their house. And Dame, I think there's a psychological sort of nesting component to this of, I want to really love where I live and how I enjoy my space because I'm here a lot more than I used to. And pragmatically, we ain't going on vacation. So maybe we're sinking the money we spend on a vacation or two this year and a vacation or two next year into the remodel. I just see a lot of people doing it. And everyone I talk to in the Reno business tends to think the same thing is that uh, they're busy. It's hard to book them out because they are booked out so far. And uh, I think the popular thing right now is to renovate your house. Although as Facebook live uh, follower Heather points out is that drywall prices are two to three times higher right now than pre-pandemic levels. And that's why renovations are more expensive than people think. How, uh, how many home offices do you think were built or remodeled during the last eight months? Well, I just put a bunch of broadcast equipment and a really expensive chair in mine. That's all I've done. But I think to your point, I mean, you're talking about people creating spaces in that regard. I think a lot of people have taken guest bedrooms or basements and turned those into those proper spaces. As a uh, host of the show next week, Oz points out here on Facebook Live, appliances are currently on back order all over the country for weeks. Uh, and, and she points out cause she is a licensed realtor, by the way, while, uh, I think investing in the house is well worth it should definitely consider it the, uh, if the updates will actually increase the value of the home. That's another ex excellent point here. You know, they actually have to, it has to make financial sense. You can't just sink all of your money in for a, a lifestyle decision. It has to make financial sense. So you can retain some of that investment. If you get to a resale opportunity to a degree. I mean, if you're going to refinance your home and you want to make it what you want, you plan on being there for a long period of time. I don't really care if the money I'm sinking in the house is going to have an immediate return. Um, if it's a little bit diminished when I sell the house in 10 or 15 years, I enjoyed it for 10 or 15 years longer than I would have otherwise. 
So I think Oz makes a great point that you want to be wise with how you're using that money to, you know, remodel your home, uh, reno your home, not Reno, as somebody might have said earlier. Who would have thought that? I Uh, I don't know anything. And uh, but there's there's got to be some level of of letting you get away with just doing something because you're going to enjoy it unless that involves like a uh, um, 40 foot backyard pool or something like that. I don't know. I have seen a lot of people put in pools. Not there are a few in my neighborhood. A lot of friends are putting in pools. Let me put this to you, Dame, because, and this is sort of part of this conversation and and maybe you don't want to answer this. Realistically, when will you move from the home you live in right now? Do you, do you mind answering that? Do you have an idea? Have you ever thought of that? We built this house to be here forever because please it was say a, your, please say it's your forever home in that voice that I love. It's my forever home. <laughs> I, love that. I love when uh, people say that. Is we built it to be here forever if we wanted to. It's a piece of ground that's been in my family for a while. And so it just that was kind of where it's at. However, however, we look around every once in a while and say, you know, it wouldn't be too bad living there. And you you play the the game of, well, gosh, if we sold this place and moved into that one, that's might be a little bit cheaper. We could be out of this mortgage even faster than we were previously. But then are you just going to start house jumping in another seven or eight years and, and go on from there? So it's it's not an easy question to answer. You know, someone's from southern Indiana or northern rural, I can't say that word, Indiana, when they say ground instead of land. That's how you know. Yeah, you said it's a piece of ground. Yeah. Like I would say land. I mean, yours sounds better. It sounds tougher. Um, I'll say this. I can only commit to where I'm living right now for 10 more years. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, Knowing you, that makes sense to me just because I know roughly where that's going to put you in your life. And I know, yeah, I know what you want to do basically uh, once you get to that stage. And yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if there's a a new domicile for Mr. and Mrs. Planner at that point. Yeah, I think I've shared this on the show before. What I want to do is once my kids are out of the house, like once they're in college, like, I don't want to, I don't, this is me now. This can change. I just don't want to have to worry about a house. Like I'd rather rent or, or, uh, whenever I do retire, I want to live somewhere for like six months and then go live somewhere else. And not, not in Indiana, but like around <laughs> the world, like let's go live in Barcelona for six months or let's go live in Tuscany for six months and just not be burdened by a mortgage payment and just use that cash flow to fund temporary living in different communities that we want to experience. That's assuming there's not a global pandemic. And by the way, I'm not so sure Mrs. Planner shares this sentiment, but that is my current sentiment. Well, think how much cheaper your travel is going to be if it's just you. (laughs) Oh my God, don't do this. Don't do this. Man, last night on Twitter, Twitter, when it was going like this idea that I'm not fun, that I mean, she was just reading the response. She's like, "Man, these people really don't know how unfun you are," and I'm like, "I know, I'm I just mean, not." I mean, I've invited I've invited you out to dinner uh, a few times, even though it was would have required you to travel a little bit up up here, and even if it's just like lunch or something like that, it's followed by twenty questions. Well, where? Yeah. What do they have? Yeah, uh, can I see the menu? What's the parking like? Yes, it, it, it's nothing that's just. 
yeah, let's go do that. That sounds great. We'll have a great time. No, it's simply. Eh. I'm sweating because here's what I think about when someone's like, do you want to go to dinner? Right. I think about is there a menu online? That's the first thing I got to know. Second thing, I got to know the parking situation. I have to know the parking situation. Number three, I have to know the time of day we're eating because I have to consider the traffic on the way there. And once I've done that for two to three weeks and I've considered all the options, once we get to dinner, I will spend the first 30 minutes talking about how well I executed the plan to pull it off the way I wanted to pull it off. And meanwhile, I've made the guest make the reservation for 5 to 5.15 because I know that I don't want to deal with the rush. And then everyone complains that we're eating dinner at Blue Hair Hours. Coming up after the break is the biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm not fun. This week's biggest waste of money of the week, the bomb right here on the Pete the Planner Show is, now listen, y'all know from time to time, I don't just hit things that are a waste of money. Sometimes I hit things that are an amazing use of money. Last week, it was Dame's generous gift, some would call it fun gift, of DeBrand chocolates. You can go to debrand.com to learn more about that. Well, this week, Dame, I'm hitting another thing that I love from my mouth hole. And that is Metal Honey's Scorpion Honey. Did you see me post about this this week? Yeah, I saw you post about it and you had my interest peaked. Metalhoney.com. That's metal with a T. Metalhoney.com. They have a product called Scorpion Honey, which I purchased this past week. And I'm going to read the ingredients to you right now. It is made with raw honey, peppers, including Trinidad scorpion peppers, Thai chili peppers, habanero peppers. I made the H silent. Habanero. Pequin peppers or pequin peppers, serrano peppers, garlic, salt, and cherry smoke. Dame, it is the best tasting condiment I believe I've ever had in my life. And I'm a man who knows his condiments. It sounds like it tastes hot. Oh, it is hot. But, you know, again, back to me not being fun for a second here. Do you know who's not fun? A guy who's got real strong opinions about condiments. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Dame, it's so good. So do you drink it cold? It's honey. Okay. So that's not going to work. That's not going to. Yeah. So. What's wrong with you? I don't know. It came in a bottle, man. How would you not assume that's something you would drink? No, no, no. It's honey. You put it on like fried chicken or cornbread or I'm going to, here's what I'm making tonight, y'all. Are you ready? I'm making grilled pork loin, which I marinated in garlic and rosemary and olive oil today. I'm going to put some raspberry chipotle barbecue sauce on that. And then, Dame, I'm taking this scorpion honey and I am roasting butternut squash with it and pureeing it. And I'm going to slice the pork and put over that. How does that not sound delicious? It does sound delicious, but that bottle you posted looked like an orange cream soda bottle. It does look like an orange cream soda bottle. If you want Metal Honey, go to MetalHoney.com, MetalHoney.com. Highly recommend. I give it on a Peter scale, five Peters. That's strong. That's a lot of Peters. That's a party. Dame, this week in current events, Howard Stern is on the verge reportedly, 
of signing a $120 million a year contract extension. I have thoughts, but I'm curious if you have any thoughts. I've never listened to one of his shows. Can you believe that? Is that your only thought or is that just context for your thought? No, I mean, it's partly context. I I thought it was a bunch considering what Rogan just got for his deal with Spotify. However, that you also see that production costs are wrapped up in that contract. That's just not what he's taking home. So yeah, I'm sure he's he's taking care of his people and he's got a lot of money he's got to spend on getting the show out the door, but he's still doing really well at 120 a year. Yeah, Howard Stern's net worth reportedly is around $650 million. I have been a Howard Stern listener for about 25 years. I still listen every day. Really? Did you know that? I had no idea. And here's the thing about Howard, and he's one of those names that you you hear it and you feel something immediately based on what you've read or maybe even listened to it. What I appreciate about him is the the skill of which he broadcasts, right? There, there are certain people that are so highly skilled no matter what their content is. And I'll give an example. I find Rush Limbaugh to be incredibly skilled at what he does, incredibly talented. I agree with pretty much nothing he ever says. And I don't even listen to his show anymore, but I will tell you this, he's an incredibly talented broadcaster. Howard Stern is the most talented broadcaster that has ever lived and and that's what I appreciate about him. I've learned from him, not about being gross, or, but about being honest, right? His show is about honesty. And so 120 million, they have over 100 people on their staff. I mean, he's still netting 90 million or so because there's a lot of really high paid, talented people on his show. Uh, but I'll tell you this, as a former Sirius XM shareholder, uh, that company goes in the tank without him. So they have to pay him whatever he wants or their company goes completely under. I think the two things that both Howard and Rush have in common is that they have people who don't like them regularly listen because they're talented at what they do and they just want to, you know, they get some kind of value out of it, whether that's refining their own arguments or trying to be, you know, have have some righteous indignation about what's going on with with whatever they're talking about, but they still draw people that like them and just absolutely hate them to listen to their shows. Have you ever seen the YouTube show called Hot Ones with Sean Evans? I've seen uh, is where like celebrities sit around and eat uh, wings of different sauces. Yes. Yeah, I've seen like clips of bits and pieces, but I don't think I've ever sat and watched an entire episode. If you're bored one day, dig in. He he is possibly, in my opinion, the best up-and-comer when it comes to interview questions. Oh. He, he, again, I, I know we joke on this show a lot and I actually have no broadcast training, but I, I take the art of broadcasting seriously no matter how poor I am at it. I, I, I want to get better, right? Because believe it or not, I don't just have a radio show. I broadcast live streams all day long, all day long for our clients. So day, all day long. <laughs> Dame, so here's what I'm telling you. Sean Evans is the best interviewer up and comer because his research is ridiculous. He'll ask someone a question that the basis of the question isn't out in public purview and he'll find it and it just shocks the interviewee to the point of like, 
thank you for asking me something I actually care about and not all this fluff I have to talk about out in PR. And so I highly recommend uh, Hot Ones with Sean Evans. Fantastic show. Dame, are you bothered by this story? Maybe don't answer it that way, but just comment. The 50 richest Americans are worth as much as the poorest 165 million Americans. I, I can't say, well, I, uh, I'll i just say this. That's not surprising. Is that the best way to handle that? Yeah, it's not surprising to me at all once you put some thought to it. You know, it's it's weird. Um, I, I have a I'm not trying to be controversial. It just happens to be now a controversial statement. Billionaires don't actually bother me. You know, they bother a lot of people these days. They they don't particularly bother bother me. You know, people get real upset about billionaires. I'm not bothered by them either. And I, I think I, I've tried to spend more of my time thinking about the the people in the other half of that equation uh, that that aren't uh, or that make up you know, the, the 146 or whatever it was million people. Um, there are some people there that are there be, not because of decisions they've made just because of the circumstances they faced in life. But there are a good number of people there that have just made bad decisions and they need, they, they can correct, uh, their, their situation as well. So, um, it's a really interesting stat to see and to start putting some thought into about how did everybody get to where they're at in that setup. After the popularity of the Travis Scott meal, you like how I moved on from that. Yeah. Uh, McDonald's teams up with singer Jay Balvin. Literally no one's ever heard of. Yeah, I was I was figuring you'd know and I was just going to be the unfun guy who had no idea. I kind of know, but I really don't know. Dame, what is your McDonald's celebrity meal? If you have to concoct some meal at McDonald's, what do you think it is with the time we have left? You give your meal. I'll give mine. We don't have a lot of time. I'll go first. I will have two McRibs. And then I'll have a bunch of fries and I want the McRib extra so uh, saucy because then I want to dip the fries in the McRib and then on the side, a, a uh, Barks root beer. Dame, what's yours? Double cheeseburger, large fry and a large Diet Coke. But but that's, you have to like, oh, you have to make it weird. You have to, I don't have to you do gotta anything. be like this Jay is, Balvin. This is my meal. I'm doing whatever I want. Next week, we're going to play a game called Does Jay Balvin Sing This Song? And I'm going to name a song title and... Or just make up a few words pasted together. And you have to tell me if it's one of Jay Balvin's greatest hits. Can't wait. Sending you good vibes, everyone, because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm not fun. Damien's not fun. But the show is. I'm Pete. 